Hello, this is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from a Revelation Timeline Decoded YouTube video series that I made in 2021. The videos were very low tech, mostly me reading what's on the screen, so you're not missing much in the audio version. The Revelation Layers Chart and Summary PDFs that I refer to in the videos can be found at www.revelationtimelinedecoded.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello Set Apart Saints, this is David, and in this video, I'm going to talk about how Revelation is both symbolic and literal. And some people, when you read their explanations, um, primarily preterists say this, they believe that Revelation is symbolic, and there's really no literal fulfillment of most of the prophecies. They proclaim that Nero was the Antichrist. So they'll look towards the only symbolic explanation, and then they, they don't have to explain all the prophecies. Does that make sense? So if you say it's all symbolic, then you don't have to explain all the seals and the trumpets and the bowls and the two witnesses and all that, because it's just symbolic. There is no literal fulfillment, so they don't have to provide one. But that's a false narrative. Uh, other people, primarily futurists, take Revelation very literally. So they point to a future fulfillment of things like literal locusts and the sun, moon, and stars literally being darkened. So again, when you take it just literally, you miss the explanation. When you take it just symbolically, you miss it because it's a coded war manual. Messiah uses symbols to point to a literal fulfillment. So in this video, I'm going to go through some of the symbols which Messiah used to point to a literal fulfillment. This isn't meant to be a full explanation of these prophecies. So I'm going to mention some prophecies and, and I'm not trying to cover the whole explanation. Just pointing to some things here. I cover it in detail in my book. I cover it on studies in the website. So just want to, again, I'm still focusing on giving you the big picture of Revelation. I'm not even getting into the verse by verse explanations yet because we're not ready for that. Right. Yeah. See the big picture, what's going on here to grasp it. And then the verse by verse explanations will make sense. So in Revelation 1 and 20, Messiah points to seven candlesticks, right? Not literal. So, I mean, they, they kind of are, I mean, you can point to seven candlesticks in the menorah and you can see a physical representation, but he's using it as symbolism. And he's saying the mystery of the seven stars, which thou saw in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. The seven candlesticks, which thou saw, are seven churches. So note what he said. Seven candlesticks are seven churches. So Messiah is pointing to seven angels, and that's seven leaders. So when we read the word angel, we go, oh, it's a angel in heaven. But that's not what he's describing. When you look at the Greek word, uh, agalos, which can, can mean angel, it, it's pointing to a messenger, especially an angel by implication, a pastor. So he's, Messiah is writing these letters to the leaders, angels of the seven churches and it's seven church eras. So it's not just, and I covered this on a previous video, it's not just pointing to the seven churches that existed at the time. It's pointing to the seven church errors, which span from when Revelation was written until Messiah returns. So Messiah says that the candlesticks represent seven churches, which are the seven church errors. This becomes really important when you look at the narrative of the two witnesses, as Messiah tells us that two of the church errors are two 
candlesticks, the two lampstands. So if you have seven church eras, which span from the first century until Messiah returns, that means that two of the candlesticks, two of the lampstands, it's the same Greek word, that means that two of the church eras existed during the 1200-year reign of power of the Antichrist beats up popes of Rome. And that gives you insight into that fulfillment of that prophecy. The church eras of Thyatira and Sardis existed during the 1260-year reign of power of the popes of Rome from 538 to 1798. They were persecuted so severely during the Dark Ages that in May 1514, it was proclaimed that they were dead. So the popes, the Roman councils were proclaiming that the witness against them was dead, that nobody was witnessing against them. So the two witnesses were dead. And then three and a half years later, Martin Luther posted his 95 Thesis, and the Protestant Reformation was ignited. The scriptures were translated into English and other languages, and the witness of the scriptures and the saints was declaring the gospel again, so the witnesses were alive again. And you get that when you understand who the witnesses are, when you get the time frame of the reign of the popes, and you get the two church eras which witnessed against them. And I will cover this in detail in, in another video. I'm just trying to give you the big picture. So the Protestant reformers and even before the Protestant Reformation, the saints of those church, two church eras were proclaiming that the popes fulfill Bible prophecy as the son of perdition and the Antichrist beast who leads the harlot church of Rome. Without understanding that the two candlesticks are two church eras, one can miss out on Messiah's explanation about the two witnesses. This is why it's key to understand that there's four chronological layers given in Revelation, which I covered in my previous video. When you see that, you see the narrative to the seven church eras and you see important details about them, which fill in the gaps in your understanding of what's going on. So another symbol that Messiah used is the symbol of the temple. And he used that in Revelation to point to his body of saints, his ecclesia, his church, in which the Father dwells. So people, you know, they're pointing to the need for a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem because they look at prophecies in Revelation about a temple and they think it's a physical temple. Well, that's not what Messiah is pointing to. He's pointing to the temple, which is the church, which is his ecclesia. That's the temple of Revelation, right? So his message to the church era of Philadelphia when he promised the overcomers that they would become a pillar in the temple of my God, he's not saying that you're going to become a physical pillar. He's saying you're going to be a leader, right? That's what a pillar is. A pillar in the community is a leader. In Revelation 11, it commands us to measure the temple of God. People take that literally to justify the need for a Jewish temple, but it's symbolic. It's saying to use the reed like a rod to compare what a church teaches against the scriptures. And when Catholic monk Martin Luther did this, when he read the scriptures, when they got put in his hands, he found out that the Roman church is an apostate church. As much of what she teaches is contrary to scriptures. So he used the scriptures to determine who's part of the temple. So that's what we're supposed to do. So we should, we should be doing this by comparing the gospel and the Messiah of a church denomination. So what are they teaching about the gospel? Is it by works? Is it a different Messiah? And if they're teaching another gospel and another Messiah, that's contrary to scripture. They're not part of the true temple. They've been delegated to the court of Gentiles, like Revelation 11, 1 and 2 is saying. So it's, it's not pointing to a physical temple. It has absolutely given us a mandate to compare a church 
And we have different church denominations these days which are teaching a false messiah and a false gospel, and our job is to compare what they teach to Scripture to determine if they're part of the true temple. Another symbol that Messiah uses is the symbol of an earthquake. People, again, take this very literally and say there's going to be an earthquake. Messiah uses the symbol of an earthquake to point to great political upheaval. We see this in the sixth seal when the Roman Empire is declining after civil wars, economic strife, famine, and pestilence from the first four seal judgments. And we see an earthquake in Revelation 11:13 when the Protestant Reformation occurred and the Antichrist beast popes lost control over countries like England. So there is political upheaval. We see it again in the seventh bowl when it says the greatest earthquake, the greatest political upheaval of all time will take place. Well, after a worldwide economic collapse, every country, which is symbolized by mountains and islands, will bow down their authority, even the United States, right? A great mountain of people will bow down its authority to the one world government of the great city, the Roman beast kingdom. So earthquakes point to political upheaval. Messiah uses the symbolism of heavenly bodies to point to leadership systems. So when prophecy, and this goes back to Messiah's all of that discourse that I covered in, in my book, um, when he's pointing to the darkening of the sun, moon, and stars, he's not pointing to the physical heavenly bodies. It, it's symbolism that's been used in the Old Testament many times about Babylon and different countries to point to their leadership system being removed from power. So in the Olivet Discourse, Messiah, the whole context of the, of the discourse is about what he just proclaimed. He came out of the temple. He had berated the Jews, cast judgments upon them, said judgment was coming in that generation upon them, came out of it, looked back at the temple and said, not one stone is going to be left standing because it's going to be desolated. So the disciples asked him, well, when is that going to happen? And he told them and he gave them the signs. And then he said, and the sun and moon and stars are going to be darkened. He was pointing to the Jewish high priest, who was the sun, the Sanhedrin, the moon, the priest system, the stars, being removed from power in 70 AD during the Jewish-Roman War of 66 to 70 AD. That's all he's describing. See, the problem is, is people look at the Olivet Discourse and they go, well, there you go. That matches up with prophecies in Revelation that say the sun, moon, and stars are going to be darkened. And they think that's an end-time event. And it neither one is. They're, they're both pointing to different instances of a leadership system being removed from power. So in the Olivet Discourse, I cover this in detail in my Olivet Discourse decoded book. In the sixth seal of Revelation, Messiah is pointing to the emperors of Rome battling against each other as the empire is declining from the previous seal judgments. In the fourth trumpet, after three previous barbarian armies attacked the Roman Empire, the Heruli were sent against it, which led to the Western Roman Emperor, the Sun, being removed from power. And that darkened the whole Roman Empire when you remove your leader from power. So the Senate, the moon, and the Roman leaders, the stars in the kingdom, were darkened as it headed towards its fall. Another term is when Messiah uses the symbol of hail to point to war. And again, there's precedent for this in the Old Testament. During the first trumpet judgment, Alaric and the Goths came from the north against the Roman Empire. So they're up, they're gathered against the empire on the north, which is where hail literally comes from. And they came south, like hell would, to attack Greece, Gaul, and Spain. So there we go. We got war, right? The trumpet judgments are war judgments. 
Army after army were sent against the pagan Roman Empire. In the seventh bowl, it again appears to be pointing to war, and given that the bowl is poured out on the air, it may be pointing to many missiles being used during World War III. So once again, you have war, that's the hail, and... You know, in our day and age, it sounds like a lot of missiles, and we see there's a lot of missiles in the Middle East. And when World War III takes place, you can visualize that taking place in that war. Messiah uses the symbol of a mountain, which represents a nation or a large people group. So we see that in the second trumpet, when the vandals were sent to attack the coastlands of the Roman territory of the Mediterranean. So in the previous one, they attacked parts of the earth. In the second trumpet they're attacking the coastland so here we have a great mountain of people coming against the roman empire we see it again in the seventh ball when nations which are symbolized by mountains so you can visualize the united states as a great mountain it's a great group of people they're not found it says that the mountain's not found anymore well that's pointing to the one world government in which no nation has its own power so that's what it's going to take for the United States to bow down to the authority of the one world government is you're going to have a worldwide economic collapse. And then we'll go, okay, okay, we'll, we'll join. They'll use it as a reason for the United States to join the one world government. Messiah uses the symbolism of a star to point to a leader. We see this in the third trumpet when the great star, Attila, the king of the Huns, was sent to attack the area of the great rivers of the Danube, the Rhine, and the Po. He was like a meteor to visualize a star flashing across the sky. He was like a meteor. He flashed onto the scene to desolate the Roman Empire and then died after getting shrunk, which ended their attacks. Interestingly, Halley's Comet appeared during this time to give another amazing literal fulfillment. So you have this leader who flashed onto the scene, desolated the Roman Empire, and then died. And at the same time frame, you had Halley's Comet flashing across the sky. It just the, the symbolism and the literal fulfillment is amazing. We see a fallen star in the fifth trumpet when Muhammad, who is supposed to inherit control of Mecca, had it removed when his grandfather died. So he was too young to receive it, so it bypassed him. So that put him into a mental state where he knew his loss and he wanted to get back control. And that caused him to fall into apostasy when he stayed in the cave of Hera and received the visions of the Quran from Satan. So here's a fallen star. So that's what it's talking about. He's a fallen star. He should have been a star in leadership in Mecca. He fell not only from that, but then he fell further when he was used to create the Quran. And there's more to the story, which I'll cover in a future video, but he created the visions of, you know, the Quran and Islam and all that, those things. And, and, you know, it talks about the smoke blocking out the sun. Well, the smoke of Islam, the false religion of Islam from the bottomless pit of Satan's lies has darkened the sun of righteousness, Messiah. It's darkened the gospel. The whole intent was to create a false religion, which would prevent Arabs from understanding the gospel and having a covenant relationship with the Father through Messiah. We see another instance of a star in the morning star in Messiah's words to the church era of Thyatira, who faced the Antichrist beast popes who had banned and burned the scriptures and persecuted the saints, and they only taught in Latin to control the message and to hide the truth. That was during the Dark Ages. And so they were given a promise of a morning star. And amazingly, John Wycliffe, who translated the scriptures into English to make them available to the saints again, his nickname is the Morning Star of the Reformation. How amazing is that, right? They're promised the Morning Star, 
and the star is the leader in that church, and here's the morning star, Wycliffe. Translating the scriptures to make it available to the saints again after being suppressed by the Antichrist beast popes of Rome. Messiah used the symbol of locusts to point to Arabs, which is defined in the Old Testament. So there's verses, and again, I cover this in the book on my website studies, that point to locusts as pointing to the Arabs. The zoology of the fifth trumpet all comes from Arabia. It's horses. They're known for their Arabian horses, their locusts, and their scorpions. So the zoology points directly at them, and the fifth trumpet represents the Arabian Mohammedan armies being sent against the Roman Empire from 612 to 762 AD, 150 years, that's the five months. So we see that fulfillment of locusts. If you take it totally literally, then you're looking for literal locusts, and people say it's going to be a plague of locusts, or they say it's going to be helicopters. They make up all sorts of stories, but it's just the symbol is pointing to the Arabs who were propped up, who were misled with the Quran to go attack the Roman Empire. Messiah uses the word water to point to people. So when you see water in Revelation, it's pointing to a people group. And it says in Revelation 17, says, And he said unto me, the waters which thou saw, where the whore sits, the harlot church of Rome sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So they sit over the ten kingdoms of the fallen Roman Empire, which spoke different languages. We see this in Revelation 13, when the Antichrist beast, popes, rose to power out of a sea of people. That's why it's called the sea beast. So it's the next phase of the Roman beast kingdom. It's after the Roman emperors, which were removed from power. The Antichrist beast popes were given power over the ten kingdoms of the fallen Roman empire. We see again water in the sixth trumpet when the Turks were released from the area of the Euphrates River to go attack the Eastern Roman Empire. So the, the Turks is symbolized by the river Euphrates. And they used large cannons to knock down the thick protective walls of Constantinople, which filled the sky with fire, smoke, and brimstone. Once again, we're, we're seeing, you know, symbols pointing to a literal fulfillment. We see the Euphrates River being dried up during the Sixth Bowl. It's pointing to the Ottoman Empire, so the Turks evolved into the Ottoman Empire. It points to them losing power over the vast territory that they held and just being left with the country of Turkey, which amazingly is the source of the Euphrates River. So it's dried up. I mean, just visualize. You can Google that, drying up of the Ottoman Empire, and you're going to see exactly that. You'll see the territory they held, and you'll see what they're left with, which is Turkey, which is where the Euphrates River you know, initiates, where it starts. So the fulfillment of prophecy is amazing when you understand the symbolism to point to a literal fulfillment. Messiah uses the symbol of horns to point to leaders. We see this precedent in Daniel and other places, but Daniel 8 points to the great horn, which was Alexander the Great, and to a little horn, Antichius Epiphanes. Hopefully I say that right. But uh, Daniel 7 points to another little horn, the popes of Rome, who rose to power out of the fallen Roman Empire. So when we get to the narrative of the earth beast of Revelation 13, which has two horns, we should understand that it's pointing to two leaders who control the Roman beast kingdom in the end times. First phase was the Roman emperors, right? And then that was the last Western Roman emperor was removed in 476. And then shortly afterward, the popes of Rome were given power, civil authority from 538 to 1798, 
That was the second phase of the Roman Beast Kingdom. The third phase is when the Antichrist Beast Popes had been put upside, but they still exist, but the Jesuit general took power. It's pointing to the Antichrist Beast Popes who used to control the Roman Beast Kingdom and the false prophet Jesuit Superior General who now controls it. It's it's telling us that the Black Pope exercises his control, his authority in front of the white pope. It's telling us that the two leaders, the two horns, the Antichrist beast pope and the false prophet Jesuit superior general, they pretend to be priests of Messiah, so they're like a lamb, but they really serve Satan, the dragon. And we see this confirmed in Revelation 19 when the two leaders of the Roman beast kingdom are captured by Messiah. People say the earth beast is the USA, but that's a false narrative. Daniel told us that the last beast kingdom. He only described four beast kingdoms. The last one is the Roman beast kingdom. John picked up the narrative. John pointed to the Satan-empowered leaders of the Roman beast kingdom who make war with Messiah and his saints. So it's just simply telling us there's two leaders in the end times who control the Roman beast kingdom. That would be the black pope and the white pope. And that's it for today. I will cover more symbols. I'll show the literal fulfillment in you know upcoming videos, but I just want to give the big picture, just some basic terms that are used so that you see that the revelation is not literal. I just wanted to give. Thank you for listening to this Revelation Timeline Decoded audio. You can request a free copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded summary PDF or order a printed copy of the book, which explains it in detail at revelationtimelinedecoded.com. I love y'all. Shalom.